And welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders Podcast. Happy game day, everybody. Game one of the Islanders and the Washington Capitals set to begin at 3 o'clock this afternoon. So if you're listening to this before then, uh, we still have time to give you a great preview. We have part two of our in-depth analysis of this series, along with Newsday's Ted Starkey, who's going to help us break down all the key matchups, including signs to be Hopeful and signs to look out for if you're the New York Islanders. We have a key injury update, two of them as a matter of fact, for key players on the Washington Capitals roster, plus our Islanders birthday of the day, and a whole lot more to come on this show. If there's something that's on your mind that is Islanders related, please feel free to send us an email with your comment, your question, or the topic you'd like us to discuss If you leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the air when we talk about whatever it is that you want in your email, and uh, always good to hear from our listeners. You could also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I, and we'll keep you up to date on all the latest news and happenings concerning the New York Islanders. All right, so today, game day, game one of this series. And let's start with some important injury news. Uh, The Washington Capitals announcing that center Lars Eller will not be, be available for game one, according to head coach Todd Reardon. Eller left the bubble in Toronto uh, August 5th, which is sick, uh, now a week ago. Uh, to be with his family at the birth of his child. He returned to the bubble on Sunday, but he has to remain under quarantine until he tests negative four times over four days. So at the end of the day, uh, Reardon announcing that Eller is out for game one. It does mean he is more likely to be available for game two. Two. Meanwhile, the other injury update, defenseman John Carlson, and Carlson is a key part of the Washington Capitals' power play, among other things, but Carlson will be a game-time decision for the Washington Capitals, so he's probably going to head out there, take the pregame skate, do the morning skate with the team, and then it will be determined whether or not 
he is ready to go. Again, the Islanders certainly would benefit if Carlson is not ready to go in Game 1. And, you know, one thing I, I thought, the more I think about this series, one thing I have to say is that the Islanders have to take advantage of the fact that they have already been playing playoff hockey for four games while the Washington Capitals have not been. And there was a different intensity level. If you watched any of the uh, round-robin games that were played in either conference, Eastern Conference or Western Conference, there was a different intensity level and a different feel to those round-robin games, which were being played to see who was the number one, number two, number three, and number four seeds in each conference. And the play-in rounds, which was a best-of-five series that determined who made the playoffs and who went home for the year. For the Islanders, they have been playing four games already that mattered, that were, you know, win-or-go-home kind of games. The Capitals clearly not having that same level of intensity, and now Washington has to sort of turn it on and ratchet things up to the next level. And the question is, can they get that job done? And it's not as easy as it sounds when you add to the fact that obviously the Capitals, like every other team in the National Hockey League, was off and inactive between, what was it, March 12th and July 31st, where they didn't play any meaningful hockey games at all, and then they had these four, I wouldn't call them, you know, exhibition games, but they weren't the same intensity level that the Islanders have had, and that, coupled with the absence of Lars Eller and then Carlson's possible absence, may give the Islanders an opportunity to get the early jump on their opponents in this series, and Look, again, there are no fans in the stands. All the games are being played in the same arena. But home ice advantage still does exist in these games because the home team gets that last lineup change. And Barry Trotz's ability to match lines and defensive pairings is a definite plus for the Islanders when you look at the way this series is going to be played. So to me, if the Islanders can even earn a split of these first two games of this series, where Washington is the designated home team, that would go a long way toward accomplishing a couple of things. First of all, obviously, it gives the Islanders home ice advantage for all intents and purposes for the rest of the series, assuming they can win all their designated home games. But the other thing that it does is it puts the Capitals on their heels a little bit. And it may give the Islanders more confidence, and it may make Washington a little bit less confident as they realize, like, oh, wow, this this matters now. We've got to turn it on. And if they're down one nothing, they may get a little desperate. They may get a little out of sorts. And, you know, the one thing that you know about the Islanders, when they win, 
they play their style one way or the other. They continue to hammer away and hammer away and do the little things that Barry Trotz wants them to do. That's what wins them hockey games. If the Islanders manage to get up in this series one game to nothing, or even even at one game apiece after the two Washington home games, that tells the Capitals they are in for a fight. It puts their backs against the wall, puts the pressure firmly on them, and that is something the New York Islanders definitely want to be able to do. All right, we have got a lot more to talk about. We will break down specifically some of the things the Islanders need to do on the penalty kill. That was a weakness that they had uh, in the Florida Panthers series. We'll have our Islanders birthday of the day and, of course, part two of my conversation with Joe Starkey, providing you with an in-depth preview of the Islanders Capital Series. More to come on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. We all know how difficult it can be to shop for auto body parts, but rockauto.com has the solution. Chain stores have different price tiers for professionals and do-it mechanics, but not rockauto.com. Their prices are the same for everyone and they're reliably low. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for more than 20 years, and you can go and find everything that your car needs from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, Get everything you need in just a few easy clicks, and they deliver it directly to your door, which can be a big help during this difficult time. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, time for our Islanders' birthday of the day. Happy 44th birthday today to Cranbrook, uh, Cranbrook, British Columbia's Brad Lukowicz, who played with the New York Islanders back in 2005-2006. The defenseman had one goal and 12 assists in 57 games with the Islanders. Ironically enough, he was originally drafted by the Islanders in the fourth round of 1994, ended up coming up with the Dallas Stars, spent time with Dallas, Tampa Bay, the Islanders, the Devils, the Lightning, the Sharks, and then back to the Dallas Stars. Lukowicz played in 658 career NHL games, scoring 23 goals and accumulating 113 points. He added 71 postseason games. Lukowicz, more known for his defensive play than his offense, had pretty good size for a defenseman at six foot one and 200 pounds. And uh, we're going to take a look back at his one of his better games in an Islanders uniform, November 26, 2005, at the Wachovia Center in Philadelphia. Islanders and Flyers taking it on each other in a Division rivalry, the Islanders had Garth Snow in goal, the former Philadelphia Flyer. Meanwhile, the Flyers went with Antero Nidamaki as their netminder. And in this game, it was the Islanders drawing first blood just 31 seconds into the game. Jason Blake getting his ninth assist to Alexi Yashin and Aaron Asham. And the Islanders had 
the early lead. But the Flyers came back just a minute and eight seconds later. R.J. Umberger of Philadelphia got his second of the year. Jeff Carter and Darian Hatcher with the assist at 139. And then at 16.28 of the opening period, Umberger struck again. Future Islander John Sim and Jeff Carter with the helpers. And after 20 minutes, it was the Islanders trailing the Flyers by a 2-1 to margin. But the Islanders struck back in the second period with Mike Rathje in the penalty box for clearing the puck over the glass, a two-minute delay of game penalty. Jason Blake got his second goal of the game, his 10th of the year on the power play. Mark Parrish and Brent Sopel with the assist at 741, and the two teams headed into the second intermission, deadlocked at 2-2. Two and two. The game-winning goal in this one came early in the third period, and it was scored by none other than Brad Lukowicz. That was his first goal of the season. Mark Parrish with the assist of the Islanders took a 3-2 lead. Then Jason Blake completed his hat trick with an empty net goal with just 36 seconds left on the clock. Parrish and Alexei Zitnik with the assist. Final score in this one. Islanders four and the Flyers two. Blake with the hat trick. Three goals on five shots on goal. That led the team. Meanwhile, three assists for Mark Parrish. But the game-winning goal belonged to Brad Lukowicz, who was on the ice for 20 minutes and five seconds in this game. As far as plus-minus, Brent Sopel and Alexei Zitnik each led the Islanders with a plus two, and Garth Snow, 34 saves to earn the win in goal for the New York Islanders. So once again, happy 44th birthday to Brad Lukowicz, original Islander draft pick and a member of the Islanders back in 2005 and 2006, and he is our Islanders birthday of the day. All right, let's discuss the situation right now regarding the power play. And one thing we know that the Washington Capitals like to do on the power play, their power play has two key components on it. And we talked about John Carlson and his potential absence, no question about that. TJ Oshie is a big part of the power play, Nicholas Backstrom. But the guy who really... Uh, other than Carlson, I think the guy who is sort of the the key to the power play, who it revolves around, is the grade eight, Alexander Ovechkin. He gets stationed somewhere in between the left point and the left circle, where he loves to blast away and shoot. He led the team with 13 power play goals, had a total of 18 power play points. And what the Capitals often do is pass the puck around to try to give Ovechkin space and allow him to get those key shots from his favorite spot. And the Islanders cannot allow that to happen. Now, if it makes you feel any better, the one thing that the Islanders were vulnerable in against the Florida Panthers was more or less when the Panthers set up down low and were able to move the puck around in and around the crease area, in and around the slot area. Those were the areas where the Islanders were more vulnerable. And Ovechkin doesn't set up in that spot. Ovechkin is a little bit further removed from the fray when he handles the puck. 
the bottom line is that regardless of where Ovechkin lines up, the Islanders are going to have to find a way to prevent him from taking those shots and making those passes that he likes to make from his favorite spot on the ice. You also obviously have to watch out for TJ Oshie because Oshie, second on the team with 10 power play goals, is the kind of guy who can get down in those dirty areas and create the kind of problems that the Islanders had in that opening round series against Florida. So these are two keys for the Islanders in this series to stop the power play because the penalty kill against Florida was the Islanders' Achilles heel. And you would hate to see the New York Islanders play a great five-on-five game and then lose it on special teams. Penalty kill is going to be vital for the Islanders in this series. All right, when we return, we will have part two of our in-depth preview of the Islanders and the Capitals with Newsday's Ted Starkey. So stay with us. More to come on this Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, now time for part two of my discussion with Newsday's Ted Starkey about the Islanders and the Capitals in their upcoming playoff series, which gets underway at 3 o'clock today, game one of the first round of the playoffs. How important are players like Casey Sezikis and Jean-Gabriel Pajot going to be for the Islanders in this series? I think you always need, I mean, the key for the Islanders is they're going to need some secondary scoring of their own because obviously the Capitals will be uh, focusing on Barzano and Bovillier, both of who were really good in the uh, qualifying round. I think, you know, if the Islanders can get some scoring from the second and third lines, that's going to be huge for them just because, you know, they're a team that already needs offense and, you know, anywhere they can get it will definitely be a help. What about Anders Lee? He didn't seem to be contributing a lot in that uh, play-in round against Florida. To me, he's one of the guys in my mind that needs to pick up his game. Right. I think, as, you know, you'll need a guy who can score dirty goals and kind of be the power forward, and they'll definitely need him against Washington because, obviously, they're, the Capitals don't intend to make end zone entries or life for Islander forwards very easy. You know, they have some tough guys. Uh, you know, they picked up Dylan from San Jose, who can certainly make a forward's life difficult. And I think they're going to need to get some of those greasy goals because they were not going to make it really easy for uh, the Islanders to kind of get a good position in the zone. And they're going to need to throw it at the net, hope they get some deflections, and they need a guy like Lee to power to the net and try to poke some in. Do you think the Islanders have a chance to take advantage of Washington's lack of depth at defense not that they have a bad defense but it's certainly not as deep as the islanders group is right yeah no i think you once you get beyond the top three it's definitely uh it gets a little thin i think they they do yield some good chances uh yeah the, the round robin they had they had some bad turnovers in their own zone and they gave up some good chances uh, the question will be is if how many of those can Braden Holpe uh mop up because uh, as i was mentioning earlier he was very busy in the qualifying round, but he played well. I mean, that's probably if you're going to have one player in Washington play well in those games, Braden Holpe was a big question mark. Because as you said, he did not quite have the uh, regular season we're used to seeing from him, but he's obviously a playoff caliber player. He's very rarely had a bad playoff season, and uh, they're going to need that to make any kind of run this year. 
Talk to me a little bit about the coaching situation with Washington. What has been the difference with this team since Barry Trotz left for the island? There's a little irony is because, you know, the team's stated reason why they let Barry go was they said the team was probably going to be tuning him out over a couple of years. You know, after four years or so in the NHL, even good coaches, players kind of tune him out and need their own, uh, need a different voice. And while Todd Reardon's new as a head coach, he was still the assistant coach under Barry. And they seem to have kind of, uh, at times, the caps are a little lackadaisical. Uh, they don't all. They can be very good when they want to be, and sometimes they are just there. And I think one of the problems Todd Reardon's had is what Barry Trotz could do in the year they won the Stanley Cup. He got the players motivated, but uh, I'm not sure how much Todd Reardon has their ear right now. I mean, uh, there was talk before the pause that he may be replaced because they were having a. They basically were 500 after uh, Christmas, and um, you know they were not playing well at all. But the pause hit, and, um, you know, it, it kind of quashed any uh, reason to change before the playoffs because it would obviously be difficult to install a new coach during the pause. But uh, I think, you know, the little thing is the biggest question I always have with Washington is their motivation and how much effort they put into it. I think, you know, going into the weekend, both Carolina and the Islanders are two teams that would outwork them. It's just a matter of to what degree, um, you know, if the – Capitals are outworked by, you know, 25%. They may be able to compensate that with the talent level. But if they're outworked by a significant margin, it's going to be difficult to make that up. So give me an idea if I were to ask you uh, one unsung player on the Capitals and one unsung player on the Islanders who could be real difference makers in this series. I think that, you know – I think basically a guy like Lars Eller, uh, when he comes back, he was uh, a paternity leave. I think, you know, during the Stanley Cup run, he was a kind of a catalyst. Obviously scored the Stanley Cup winning goal in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, But he's that third line center that the team has always lacked before he came in a trade a couple of years ago. And I think, you know, as I was alluding to earlier, I think the uh, Capitals – they kind of thrive at having three lines that can put the puck in the net. And I think Lars Eller is kind of the straw that stirs the drink on that line. Um, he's a talented forward and he can, he can score when he needs to. I think the Islanders are going to need Beauvillier to be good because I think, you know, obviously Barzal is a talent as all we know. And Beauvillier was really good in the uh, qualifying round against Florida. And I think, you know, they're going to need more scoring and more dynamic scoring than uh, if he's not playing well, it's going to be a lot harder for them to produce goals. All right. Uh, real quick. Uh, well, first of all, give me a compare and contrast style-wise. What style do the Islanders want to play in this series, and what style do the Capitals want to play? Well, I think the Islanders want to play the Barry Trotz, uh, keep it close to the vest. What they do is they swarm the puck carrier. They try to limit his movement. You know, uh, basically, when a guy has a puck in the Islanders' zone, they want someone within two or three feet of him. So it makes it difficult for him to either pass or shoot the puck because you got to shoot through a player or pass by a player. Uh, That's tricky. Washington, they do a little bit more. It's kind of a hybrid of the trot system. Uh, They're not quite as aggressive in terms of puck coverage, but they will uh, use the defenseman to carry the puck up, and they're more of a rush team than they were probably when they won the Stanley Cup. I mean, you know, Barry Trotz won 
the Cup in 2018 with this system. It just uh, Washington had more firepower, so they had a little bit more edge for mistake. Whereas I don't think they, you know, Barry has that right now on the island. And you know, I think Reardon wants to be a little bit more aggressive than Trotz was. They're a little bit more aggressive on the penalty kill. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, you see a little bit of differences, but I, I would suspect that the Islanders are going to want to win games two to one. The Capitals are going to want to win games four to three. And I think, you know, they, whoever can dictate the pace is probably going to be decided by whoever takes leads in games. And I think that's going to be a big part of the series. All right. So complete this sentence. The Capitals are in trouble if? If Holtby is not good. Um, I think that's the one thing that they can not afford at all in this playoffs because uh, they will have no one else to really to turn to because I don't think Vanacek uh, spent most of his league year in the uh, American Hockey League, and uh, I think he's basically just a healthier version of a guy that's going to sit on the bench. And if Holtby isn't good, they're going to have no shot whatsoever. And the Islanders are in trouble if? Uh, their goaltending also has to be good. Obviously, Semyon Varlamov is uh, no well-known to Capitals fans. He, his last playoff series was in Washington when they lost to Montreal in the 2010 first round. Uh, and I think the Islanders, with the Caps' potency, um, Varlamov, he doesn't have to necessarily outplay Holtby, but he has to be close. He can't let in soft goals or uh, those kind of goals that kind of just leave you on, your, on the bench, something <laughs> your shoulders, because you know, they want to win by allowing only a goal or two. And if you let in three or four a night, the Islanders' chances of winning the series go down dramatically. All right. So before we let you go, your pick for this series and in how many games? I think the Capitals will win out. I think they have a little bit more depth. I think they have a little bit more uh, offense. I think they're probably the Islanders and Capitals are even defensively. Uh, I think the goaltending, obviously, I think Washington's a little bit better. Uh, because I think, obviously, they have a proven playoff performer while Varlamov, while he's good in spurts and Grace was good in spurts, he's still got to kind of prove something there. And then forwards, I think the Washington just, they can score more goals. I think the Islanders were going to have to stick to their system to try to frustrate the Capitals. Uh, and if they don't, then the series will get away from them. So how many games? Six games, I think. All right. Uh, and before we let you go, Ted, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about where they can find your books? Uh, you can find them on Amazon. Uh, it's Red Rising is a story of the Washington Capitals. Uh, it was written before all this. There will be a sequel hopefully in the next uh, little bit of time. And a book the Islanders fans might find interesting is uh, Chasing the Dream, uh, Life of the American Hockey League, in which the Bridgeport Sound Tigers and kind of their, the Islanders development process is profiled along with uh, seven other AHL teams, and it's kind of a neat look at life in the league. Yeah, very good read. Both of those books, highly recommended. Ted Starkey of Newsday, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely, anytime. All right, that wraps up this edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a league-wide perspective on the Stanley Cup playoffs. Enjoy Game 1. We'll be back tomorrow with a full analysis of Game 1 and a preview of Game 2 and what more you could expect in this series. Have a great day, everybody, and of course, let's go Islanders!